Spring of Life Fellowship and the vision of changing the world invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Let's listen to our guest. And the problem is, is that we have too many 50, 60, 40, 30 year old adolescents wondering what happened to all these years. And they're not they're not ready. They don't know what's going on. They're wondering what happened to their life. And they find themselves as adults and they look at their life and they say, what happened to my life? Why is my life like this? Why is why isn't the blessings here? But I want to tell you tonight that if you're here tonight God has blessed you because you're going to be able to hear how he wants to bring you into the sonship of God. How he wants to make you a prince or a princess of the Lord. What we are raising up here in this house is a holy nation, a royal priesthood, God's best. And what God has prepared for you, nobody can take that away. I want you to know that the spirit of God is in this house. And we are here to try to love on you, to embrace you. We're just ordinary people that one day we heard the voice of God and God said, son, daughter, I want you to come. I want to give you a hug and I want to call you son. I want to call you daughter. When I met my wife, I said, Suleika, you know why I love the Lord? I love the Lord because he called me son. And, you know, I came to this house as a young teen, as a young adult, 19 years old. It's been 21 years now. And I got to say to you, I was looking for an earthly father. I was looking for an embrace of an earthly father. And I found that. I found spiritual fathers that I could show, you know, run after as examples. Learn how to speak, how to dress, how to talk, how to walk. But more importantly, I learned that I had a heavenly father that loved me. And that he loved me above all things. And that even with my earthly fathers would fail us. Right? How many of you know that man will fail you, but God will never fail you because his love endures forever and he's yes and amen. So God wants to give us the best and sometimes we don't see it or we don't wait. You see in Romans, let's go to Romans chapter 8 verse 12. And you know, I want to read this scripture because it talks about the sonship of God. And you know, therefore, brethren... We are debtors, debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. Verse 13, keep going. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live according to the spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body. You will, if you put together the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. If you're led by the spirit of God and you live according to the spirit of God... You are considered a son. Not everybody who calls themselves a Christian is a Christian. Not everybody who says that they're a son is a son. You know what I mean? And so we see that even in an earthly realm, in a father-son relationship, we even see that with that as well. To, be, to become a son of Christ, a prince, it's not a popularity contest. I want you to, to know tonight that to be a son of God, to be a true son of God, a true prince of the Lord, you're going to have to stand alone sometimes. You're going to have to stand alone. You're going to find yourself in the desert sometimes. And you know what? Many will come and many will false accuse and many will say many things. But at the end of the day, if you have your heart and your focus on Jesus and you know that he's your heavenly father and you're led by the spirit of God, it doesn't matter what anybody says. 
the only people that have to know the truth, I tell my son this all the time. Oh, because, Dad, so-and-so said this about me. or so and I said, son, there's only two people in this world that have to know the truth. Ready? You and God. That's it. Everything else doesn't matter. And that's what matters. Because at the end of the day, God will expose the truth. All will be exposed to the light. And, you know, City on a Hill, that video paid in full is a humbling video because a lot of us are like that. You know what I mean? A lot of us are like that. We don't want to wait and see what God has for us. You guys think that that car was a huge gift? Well, I, was, um, I showed the youth that video the other night at youth group, and I said to them, of course, every, every teenager wants a new set of wheels, let's be honest. But I also said that the word of God is the most precious gift that you can ever have. Because I was telling them, and we use the example of the cell phone, that in the late 80s, we had this brick, and we showed it the other day. We talked about this. I said it, and um, we had this brick phone back in the 80s, and only two people had those phones back then. Either you were really studious and, and you studied hard, or the opposite, <laughs> because those phones were expensive. Nobody had a cell phone. And now, you know, iPhone 5 and all this other stuff, and this, uh, I think there's a new one now, Galaxy and everybody's switching from the iPhone now to the Galaxy. And, you know, next year it's going to be a new one. And I told the youth, I said, you know something? The same way you guys are looking at that brick phone, on this, I showed it on the screen. They were like, what is that? Is that a typewriter? Is that a, is that a grenade? What is that? They didn't know what it was. I said, no, that's a cell phone. That's what we used to use if we had one. And so um, I said, the same way you see your iPhone 5 now, when you become my age later, that's what you, your kids are going to look at the iPhone 5 and they're going to be like, what is that? Look at that thing. And they're going to they're gonna trip out. They're going to say that that thing is ancient. It's old. See, heaven and earth will pass away. The new cars will rust. Earthly possessions will fade. But what the, and the legacy and the inheritance that we're bringing here in this house, that's what's going to last forever. So I told my son, I said, silver and gold will pass away, but the word of God will never pass away. This is what's going to endure forever. This is your inheritance. This is your legacy. See, I wrote my children um, when my wife got pregnant with our firstborn. I wrote a letter to him even before he was born, and I wrote the legacy of what I was going to read to him when he turned 13. 13 is the age that the Jewish people celebrate of when a boy becomes a man. And I'm, I have that letter. And you know what it says in that letter? It talks it, a lot of the scriptures from Proverbs, and it blesses the child's life. And I did the same thing with my daughter. And I blessed their life, and I have those letters written, and I'm going to take them out. And I'm, I said... And I didn't, this is, remember, he's, gonna, he's 12 already. So I wrote, guys, if you've seen mom and dad spend so much time in the house of God, if you've seen us engaged so much about our father's business in God's house, if you've, because you've seen the way that I love your mom and how I honor her and how I live for the Lord Jesus and how I don't hang around with everybody who says they're my friend. If you see all these things, son, daughter, it's because I want to leave you an inheritance and it's not just money. It's a legacy of the word of the living God. It's something that I want to pass on to you because I'm a first-generational Christ, first Christian, and I want you to be the second generation. That's, I'm digging the ground. I'm paying the price. I'm preparing the way so that you can have a better life, so that you can live a life according to God's word. That is not just a thick bank account. We have many that we see in Hollywood that their parents left them wealth, Beyond measure, as Wellington Boone was saying the other day, the royal family, wealth, man, but that's not true treasure. 
The true treasure is this right here. And this is what's going to sustain you. Because, see, there's how many of you have ever been put in a place in life, pressures of life, trials of life, where you have no other place to look but up? I think all of us, right? We all have amazing stories. And sometimes, you know, there's no atheist in a foxhole. Have you heard that before? Well, that's how it is. We have the Lord, guys. We have Jesus. We have Christ. And we heard, um, let's go to 1 Peter chapter 5. We see there, verse 5, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. We see that it says, likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. We heard this weekend on New Year's, we heard our pastor tell us in Genesis 14, chapter 14, verse 14. We heard that the 13th year, there was going to be rebellious. And we're going to see a lot of people running from the truth. It says, now when Abraham heard that the brother was taken captive, he armed his 313 trained servants who were born in his own house and went in pursuit as far as Dan. There's going to be rebellious times. There's going to be two sets of people now that we're going to see. And we've been speaking this for a long time, but this is the year that we're going to see the definition. And we're going to see this. We're going to see, as Pastor Ed Cole says, and our pastor also reminded us, he says, how you leave something is how you enter the next thing. Even with a job, if you left the job performing a certain way is the same way you're going to enter the new job. If you left the marriage a certain way with the attitude in there is the same way you're going to enter into your new marriage. That's why when Suleika and I always counsel married couples and they want to get remarried and they're on their third or fourth marriage, we say, listen, let's, let's ask you a question. Why do you think your first marriage failed? Well, I don't know, because she was this or he was that. I guess I know. See, that's the mistake that you've made. You need to look at yourself because your marriage keeps failing. And the thing is, the grass is not greener on the other side. So we need to take inventory of your own heart and figure out what's going to happen. And so how we leave is how we enter. And we are called to be sons of God, but not all are sons of God. We need to enter into the sonship of Christ. And God is drawing a clear line. And there are going to be two groups of people, as Pastor said. He says that there are going to be two polar opposites in the new year. The bad news is not for us. It's not for God's people. We see in Isaiah chapter 2, verse 2, you see, as God's people, we need to embrace the top of the hill, the city on a hill. That's where God has brought us, the city on a hill. Now, it should come to pass in the later days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountain and shall be exalted above all the hills, above the hills, and all the nations shall flow to it. Everybody's going to come asking what is it that you people have you see you are the salt of the earth you are the light of the world and we're not talking about here in this church we're not talking about here in this cave as it was called the other day we're talking about your life you are the church you are what's going to bring people to the lord people are going to want to know what hill are you standing on what hill has god allowed you to be on and so as we enter into the sonship and we see that there's going to be two groups of people, the bad news is not for us. We cannot continue to embrace bad news. 
The mountain of the Lord will be established. The house of the Lord will be established. That's what's going to happen this coming year. And it's going to be sad to see that the people that say they have a sense of godliness, they have an outward appearance of God, but there's no fruit. Their fruit is afar off. We see in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. People say they're Christian all over the place. Oh, yeah, I know the God. Yeah, I used to go to Sunday school. I used to read my Bible. I read, you know, I pray. I this. I'm a Christian. But, man, you know. Or as, as um, Wellington Booth says, pull your pants up, take off that earring, and take and rub off that tattoo. And that's the problem. We have too many Christians that say they're Christian, and they have no outward appearance. Or they, they even, some of us even have, are, have become professional, I like to call them, secret agent Christians. We heard this message many years ago in youth group. They look like a Christian. They, talk, they even know how to talk like a Christian. Praise the Lord, brother. God bless you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory. And they have the talk, man. But behind the scenes, poop. It's all over the place. It's not from the Lord. It's all over the place. And we see that in 2 Timothy. The people that say they have a sense of godliness, it's sad. It's really sad. And at the end of the day, this year, we're going to see that line being drawn. We're going to see the difference of the two groups. In the last days, people will be lovers of themselves. It's going to be, they're going to be serving me, myself, and I. They're going to serve themselves, the spirit of mammon, the lust of money. Man, you know, at, at work and in most businesses, most people are in the business to make money. If we don't make money, we can't pay our bills and we can't live and we can't eat, right? So I don't have anything against making money, right? It's the love of money that's the root of all evil, not money itself. So here's the thing. At work, in a big company, you know, I work for a small company. I think they only generate not so much money every year, of 40 million maybe. That's a small company, right? And every year, the company is expected to grow by 10%. It's never enough. And if that percentage isn't growing, they get on all the salespeople and, uh, come on, you got to do it. Ah, you're not growing. It's never enough. It's always, they want more. It's never going to be satisfied. And it never will be. That's what happens. The spirit of mammon is upon so many people. I have seen people even where they say that, um, you know, they've been so generous feeding the hungry feeding the poor, doing all kinds of stuff, having an outward appearance of the Lord. But is that really a true sheep of the Lord? How do you know? If they're drinking whiskey in the background, they're saying bad words, they're cheating on their wife. That's not a sheep of the Lord. The Bible says here in John 10, chapter 10, verse 27. It says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. If you're drinking and you're doing this and you're cheating on your wife, that's the, you're not a sheep. Why? Because you gave some food to the hungry? Even the wicked do that. Even the wicked do that. The wicked will always accuse and envy the righteous. When that happens, how many of you have been accused as a Christian? You know, see, when you say you're a Christian in your workplace, at home even, with unsafe family members... Or at school. And as soon as they know that you're a child of the king, you're a child of light, guess how everybody's going to look at you? With a magnifier. 
with a magnifying glass. Man, I came. If you show up to work two minutes late, they're going to come on you harder than everybody else. Because you're, you're a Christian, so you're expected to be there early. If you do make a mistake, you're going to get bombarded harder. That's how it is. But you see, here's the thing. And false accusing sometimes happens too. Even though you know you're doing the right thing, even though you've done the right thing, people are going to always come and say, ah, oh, because that person's this, and ah, oh, because that person's that. And that's going to happen too as a Christian. You see, we've been walking in this ministry here, particularly at Spring of Life, for 20 years. Listen good, 20 years. And man, boy, have we been falsely accused. We have had to endure a lot of stuff from a lot of people. And I got to tell you, it hasn't been easy. But I'll tell you this, I've learned how, I don't know if you remember a few weeks back, Paul Adaro came and he said, when somebody says something about you that you know is not true, or a crisis hits your house, he said, just fly higher. Just fly higher. Don't give in to that crud. Don't give in to that stuff. Don't let that stuff get your heart. Fly higher. Fly higher. Say, you know what? Get ye thee behind me, Satan. And you follow the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Because you're a prince of the most high God. You're a daughter of the king. You're not going to let some worldly heathen tell you that you are not doing what you know you're doing. All that matters, two people need to know the truth. You and God. That's all that matters. Forget about what other people say about you, man. Do what you know is right because it's the right thing to do. And if there is no man, then you be the man. And that's what we're trying to teach here in the house of God. True sons of Christ. I'm just talking to you tonight. True, true, true sons of Christ. You must first become a son before you can become a father. Just like I tell the men. I say, listen, you first must become a man. I told Omar the other day. I tell, you got to become a man before you can become a husband. You're a man. So now, I give you the green light. Go become a husband. Because you've been tested and approved. You've been tried and you've endured. That's a powerful statement. A son. What are the characteristics of a son? Let's see really quick. A son must be obedient to the father. A son isn't proud. A son is not rebellious. A son doesn't complain all the time about everything. He has embraced God's dealings and knows the direction and authority of the father. He loves correction, dresses and talks and acts like the father. People have come to me and they have said, um, you know, they, so many times. But just uh, one of the many, they've accused me. They've said to me, oh, well, man, every time I talk to you, you sound just like Pastor Joaquin. You even talk like him. Man, you're even dressed like him. And I said, amen. At least I have somebody to emulate. Who do you emulate? Because I emulate Christ. Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And I have to tell you that I thank God for having that example. Once a son enters into this truth, he knows that one day he will become a father. But he will always be humble enough to know that he will always be a son. Let me say that again. See, you'll be up in bed at 2 o'clock in the morning, and it's going to hit you. This is deep. Get the CD after. You're going to be a son, right? You're a son now of, in the Lord. Once you become a father, like our pastor has become a father of many, right? I'm also a spiritual father of many. And you too, hopefully, will become that, you know, and have sheep that you are caring for. But I also know, and pastor also knows, 
in order for him to become a successful father, he must also remain a son. You see, you can't have any authority unless you're under. Amen. So it's a biblical principle. And some of the husbands, they wonder, why doesn't my wife listen to me? She doesn't respect me. She doesn't obey me. She doesn't listen to anything I say. You know why, my friend? Because you yourself are not under authority. So what makes you think your wife's going to listen to you if you listen to nobody? You do nothing nobody tells you. And you don't even listen to, you listen to yourself, you, yourself, and you. And you've been serving you for all these years. You've been serving mammon for all these years. That's why your wife doesn't listen to you. Because you have no authority because you're not under authority. You see, I praise God for our pastor. And I'm not here to talk about man or exalt or lift up man. And he's not even here. But I want to say this. That I thank God for our pastor. Who has always ran towards the father of the heavens. Who has always longed for a father-son relationship at an earthly spiritual realm. Who has embraced the correction of a father and has always longed for a spiritual father who can be there for the trying times. I want to take a moment to say that many have witnessed and know the pastor from the pulpit, from the chairs, from the ringside view. But I want you to know that I have been able to know the pastor from a life view. 20 years walking with, with this ministry and with Pastor Joaquin and Yvette. It's not just ringside seats. I want to say that I thank God for his example, perseverance. Many don't have a clue what we have endured. Men that we once called sons are not here. Men that we once considered leaders are gone with the wind. Men that came and they said, I'm going to serve here until the end. I'll never leave. I'm going to stick with you. We used to call them eagles. Where are they? All of them are gone. Over the 20 years, we have seen so many come and go. So when people come here and they say, I'm in all full blast and they're in the fire. And I love being around the newbies because it just brings joy to my heart. And I want to encourage all of you. But don't. You know why they leave? I don't know why, but I'm going to tell you this. I have a good guess. They leave because their focus is not on God. They're not connected with the spirit of the Lord. As soon as you rub somebody the wrong way, everything is flowing good. Everything is cruising good. But as soon as you tell them, you know something? Your daughter should not be dating that guy because he's worldly. And you shouldn't be unequally yoked. As soon as you correct and mess with somebody's kids, they run for the hills. As soon as you tell them, man, you know your son lately, I've been noticing a little bit of rebellion. And you tell the father, to tell, you know, they're concerned out of love. You're telling they run for the hills. They get upset and they leave. They think that it's a personal vendetta or a personal attack against them. And we're telling them because we love them. And we see now divorces. We see broken relationships. We see all kinds of stuff of the sons that were here that didn't listen. And now they're out there. And it's, it's a disaster. They are not on the city of a hill. They are hurting. And we, they're prodigals, prodigal sons. And tonight we're here to tell you that we're going to give you a chance to enter into the true, true sonship of Christ. That you will be not the rebellion or the proud, but you will be the son of God. 
you will enter into the truth of the Lord, that you will embrace God's truth, that you will endure this race and you will run this race with endurance, that you will not run this race or sprint or grow weary or grow tired and know that you have people here that love you. You have people here that care about you. You have people here that care about you and your children. So yes, I thank God for the new people that come and that are excited and say, I'm going to stick it to the end. But you know, don't, don't um, set those types of goals. Say, I'm going to serve the Lord till the end. You know what I mean? I'm going to serve God. I'm going to be obedient to his voice until the end. Once you have that perspective, my friend, you'll be here 20 years later. You'll be here saying, I'm a prince of God. I'm a son of God. I'm serving the Lord with excellence. Because me and my heavenly father have become one. I know who my dad is. I'm not an illegitimate child or a parent ministry. I'm under the covering and the anointing of Almighty God and through the benefits of leadership. People don't know what the benefits of leadership is. They don't know how to honor, how to honor the man of God. They don't know what it is to serve. The greatest among all these is the one who serves the most. And so I thank God, as I was saying for our pastor, and his heart to embrace the leadership and to long for that. And many times, over the years, we've had um, people that was brought up in the ministry um, where, where our pastor came from. And those spiritual fathers would never embrace him as a spiritual son. And we didn't understand why. And we heard from Wellington Boone last week. It was because before you can be exalted, you must be humbled. And God has taught our pastor how to rely on our heavenly father. And today, today. We have been blessed with a covering recently, a covering as a church that we're able to be accountable to, someone we can sow seed, someone we can call, someone we can be there. We have fathers that have embraced this ministry, fathers that come here for leadership and for counsel. We have Jack King, we have Wellington Boone, we have G.F. Watkins, and we have had many fathers. And since then, since we have received that gift of covering, we have seen the outpouring of God's blessings. We have been considered a city on the hill. And we're going to see the benefits of that soon. We're already seeing the benefits. God outpoured his grace this last year at such high levels that I can't even begin to tell you how powerful it has been. And I'm not talking about financial I'm talking that God has answered prayer that we have been waiting on for many years. And I know that 2013 is going to be all these years that you guys have been here for a long time. The ones that have endured, the ones that have just showed up, I want to say this to you. If you decide to truly embrace the sonship of God and you decide to stay on the city of a hill, guess what? You're going you're gonna to be able to benefit from, you know what? The fruit of our labor. The plowing. Of the many years of, of triumph and, and overcoming obstacles, now you're going to be able to benefit of those fruit, those many years as we've digging ground. I remember we came into this church. Obviously, you know, this is an office building, storefront church. I remember ripping out the carpet. We put those tiles. We gutted out this whole place, and we built it from ground up. Humble beginnings. I remember the church we came from. We were in, on Bird Road. How many were there? A lot of you, bingo, next door, and we would be in the middle of the service smelling the cigarette smoke coming in through the vents. Remember that? God has taken us from glory to glory. Hallelujah. And I can't wait to see what God's going to do. As Wellington Boone said, you know, we're doing, the, like Pastor says, we're doing the best we can with what we've got. But I got to say, 
one of our church models has become this. The best is yet to come. And I can't wait to see what God's going to do. Amen. The true humble sons of God will be a light. They will embrace and connect to the city on a hill, God's house and people. And the lost will run away from us or they will run towards us. That's what we've heard. We as the light of the world will have the answer to all the wisdom of God that is um, far more worth than rubies and silver, as I was saying. People will run towards us as the royal priesthood of God. We see that in 1 Peter. Some say we are outnumbered, but those that are with us are more than those that are against us. Let's see that in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 16. 2 Kings 6, 16. Sometimes we feel that we're outnumbered. Sometimes we feel that we're alone. But I want you to say the Assyrian army was outnumbered, and they were there. And they see the Assyrians, they say, so he answered, do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. So I want you to know you can see an army of 10,000, but if you only got 300, which is about what we got in here, is more than many out there. Because it's not about the quantity, but it's about the quality. And I'd rather be around a bunch of eagles like you guys than be out there with a bunch of chickens. No accountability, a form of godliness, saying that they're on a city of a hill, but have no substance, have no fruit. Really? You want to come in here? And you, how, many, what, how many marriages have you been on, my friend? Oh, no, but, you know, no, listen, you, why don't you sit down for a bit, listen to what we have to say, and then... <laughs> You can be a part of what God's doing in here. Let's watch this quick video and just to get a quick glimpse on the outnumbered and the characteristics of quality. Dark sauce. What a pleasant surprise. This morning's full of surprises, Leonidas. We've been tricked. There'll be more than a few hundred of them. This is a surprise. Silence. This isn't an army. We heard Sparta was on the warpath. We were eager to join forces. If it is blood you seek, you're welcome to join us. Could you bring only this handful of soldiers against Xerxes? You see, I was wrong to expect Sparta's commitment to at least match our own. Doesn't it? You, there. What is your profession? I'm a potter, sir. And you, Arcadian, what is your profession? Sculptor, sir. You? Blacksmith. Spartans! What is your profession? You see, old friend, I brought more soldiers than you did. That's right. I'll take this team over any team out there. Because tonight, I'm going to ask you, what is your profession? Are you a salesman? Are you a businessman? Are you a doctor? Are you whatever? I don't know. Yeah, we got to work. But what's in your heart? Who do you serve this day? Make that decision.
Who today are you serving? I've seen doctors, lawyers, businessmen, accountants, all kinds of professions that are fly-by-nights. That's right, a fly-by-night. I don't care what your title is. Leadership isn't a title. It's a function. It's the fruit that shines forth through your life. You can say you're this and you can say you're that and you can walk around all distinguished. Yeah, I went to school for 30 years and I'm a, I got three PhDs and I'm, oh yeah, congratulations, man. I'm happy for you. I, I'm not bashing education. I think that's amazing. And I want you to study and I want you to persevere. I tell the youth all the time, you're going to school. I said to my son, you're getting, you, before you even consider anything, you better have an education because education is important. God doesn't want um, his people to be foolish. But what I'm saying is a matter of the heart. Who do you serve? What is your profession? I'm not talking about earth, the earthly realm. You see, the Bible says we're just pilgrims visiting a foreign land. This is not our earthly home. Our home is what's coming. And, and, and you know, Wellington Boone was saying this, and I used to be afraid of death. I, I, I confess, you know, the truth is, who wants to die? Man, nobody. I want to see my kids, and I hope. Like, like Wellington Boone said, keep the fathers alive and all this. But he was saying something that I've learned over the years. And I'm not afraid anymore. I've seen death to the closest people to me. The closest person ever to me passed away. So I know what that's like. I know what that feels like. But you know what? I'm not afraid because I know where I'm going. I've rested in the counsel of God. I've rested in the sonship of the Lord. And that's what we're trying to tell you tonight. Don't be a fly by night. You have been called to be a prince. Look at the person next to you and say, you're a prince or you're a princess. That's what you are. That's what we're raising up in this house. That's what we're trying to do here. That's what we are doing here. You can get any one of our youth, any one of our youth that has been here and that is one of uh, the family's children, you can bring them up here and they can preach to a nation because they got substance. They know what their profession is. They know who they serve. They're not playing church. We are the real deal. I'm telling you that right now. We're the real deal. We're raising up princes and princesses, kings and queens. And we've been called to change the world. And that ain't going to happen with a title. Uh, you know, if we have a life that, that it, the character has been tested and approved, then you're considered to be one of the leaders among us. Look at your neighbor. Look at them again. And let them know, you know, that, that together, you see, if you isolate yourself, the word says if you isolate yourself, there's a spirit of depression that sets in. And a lot of times people come and they say that they're depressed. And psychiatrists say this. They say that, you know what the number one cause of depression is? Selfishness. Ooh, ouch. That's because you're only thinking about yourself. And a lot of times, isn't this true, uh, Suleika? A lot of times when marriages come broken and lost, and it doesn't make sense, we say, you want to get healing? Why don't you go, guys, just do something. Go find another marriage that's worse off than you and bless them. Help them out. Give them a word of encouragement. Because there's always going to be somebody worse than you. That's healing. It's better to give than to receive. And we're not talking about monetary. We're talking about your life. When you start to bless people and you start to give to people and you start to start, stop thinking of yourself all the time. 
There's healing through that. There's healing in that. Man, we heard yesterday that our pastor said, even the Jews with the world's wealth, the Jews own 80% of the world's wealth. How many of you knew that? Did you know that the Jews started the NBA? That's right. Look it up. And so the world's wealth will come to seek God's truth and recognize that Jesus is the Messiah. Hallelujah. Do you know what that is? We're going to see that. We're already seeing the Jewish people, God's chosen people. I see Jewish people and I bless them. I say, God bless you. I have super duper big time respect for the Jewish people. And I honor them. And I bless the Jewish people because that's God's chosen people. We have been adopted as sons to enter into that son-father relationship. We've been grafted into the vine. That's how we were able to be called or considered as the family of God. We see in Romans chapter 14, verse 11. It says, for it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God that Jesus is Lord. It doesn't matter who you are. And that's going to happen. We're going to see the benefits of that. So tonight, we challenge you and we say this. Which group are you going to be in as we saw in the beginning of what we heard? What is your profession? Where is your heart? Who will you serve? Start 2013 on a hill, the city of the hill of God. Humble yourself before the Lord. You see, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And God will raise you up. We declare something and it will be established you're going to have power, Acts 1.8. When you have power, the Holy Spirit shall come upon you. You know, the shadow of God, when Peter walked, would heal people, just his shadow. Jesus said, greater things you shall do just because we are his sons, just because we have said, I want to follow and serve the Lord. A lot of times people say, I want to walk with an anointing. I want to have a power. I want to be blessed. Sometimes you have to go through some things before you can get to that level. You have to pay a price. And I'm going to tell you what that price is. It's not tithes and offerings. There's a price that you must pay to get at the level of power to operate in the spirit of God and to be considered as a true son of the living God. And you know what that price is? You know how much it will cost you? It will cost you everything you have. Everything. You got to lay it all down. You cannot have one foot in and one foot out. You got to really just say, Lord, I'm laying it all down. Happens what happens. I'm not going to walk by sight anymore. I'm going to walk by faith. That's how I'm going to live. My son posted something um, today on Instagram. Can you look that up? It was about faith. And what a powerful message. 12 years old. And it was powerful. We as God's people have been called to operate in that anointing. It's the Spirit of God that is upon us. It's the Spirit of God that moves us. It's the Spirit of God that leads us to be called as God's chosen people. And it's gonna, we're going to see that in these last days. We're going to see, at, in, in this year, 2013, as we said, we're going to see the two people. People will continue to be lovers of themselves with the proud look. Or you can follow into the family of God and be humble. And it says here, I can't see this very good, but I'm going to try. I didn't bring my glasses. Hold on. I'm struggling. Okay, faith is, faith is progressive. Faith never gets into a bad 
situation and says, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna sit here and die. It's over. Faith never stands in the desert having a pity party with everything drying up around around it. You walk by faith. You don't stand still, drowning in your misery. When you get into the wilderness, you keep walking. You keep going forward, even if you're the only one making an inch of progress with each step. Hmm. When you get into battles, you keep saying, I will move forward. Me and, me and Joseph, we didn't talk about tonight's message. That's the heart. See, that's the legacy that I'm leaving to my children. 12 years old, I trip out. I freak out with the youth of this church. Praise the Lord for what we have. Praise God for what God is raising up in this house. So you're going to have that power. You're going to have that anointing that you'll declare something. Even, as Pastor was saying, even to the lost or to the sinners, you're going to say, heal them and they'll be healed. Bless them and they'll be blessed. Because you're going to have that power. Because you are on a city on a hill. You're going to be that group that's separated. As we prepare tonight, and we're going to have the musicians come forward as we come to a close. I want you to start to prepare your hearts. And I want you to prepare your minds as we uh, get ready for the Lord's Supper. And I want you to say to yourself, tonight, I don't want to go into 2013, another year of being behind or not receiving God's full measure of his anointing and blessing of what he has for us. I want to be considered to be here many years later saying, I'm a son of God. I want to be here many years later saying, I'm a son of the ministry of Jesus Christ. I want to operate in that power. I want to give to my children, even though I'm evil, I know how to give good gifts to my, to my children. Well, our Father wants to give good gifts to us if we would just receive it tonight. So I want you to know that God has prepared a table for you tonight. He has prepared a banquet of words of wisdom, words of encouragement. The word of God came forth tonight. And I just only pray that the group that's here can just receive and embrace what God has prepared for you. Start the new year. This is the first message that's brought out on this year. And it's the good news of the gospel. It's the power of God. Start this new year with a home run. Start this new year fresh and brand new. Say, you know what? Forget about old things. Forget about everything. All old things have gone away. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Everything has gone. All things have gone away. Behold, all things have been made new. And so tonight I want to be fresh. I want to be a part of that army. But I want you to know that to be a part of that army, those guys train hard. Their profession is constant preparing to battle, to fight, to get ready for war. And you know how you fight your battles? By knowing the word of God. This word has an answer for everything. The answers of life are in this word. It's the sword of the spirit, a double-edged sword, sharper than any double-edged sword. So know this word. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. You see, the church has no business being weak. You have been called to be gifted with the power and the anointing of Christ. So tonight, start 2013 with that gift of the word of God. Start 2013 making a decision that you're going to be part of this army. You're going to be part of this family. You're going to be part of this ministry. 
We're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. As we prepare for the Lord's Supper tonight. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself and so let him eat of the bread and drink of this cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord and may not be condemned with the word. I want you to prepare your hearts and examine yourselves. And if you have not been water baptized, we're going to ask that you refrain from partaking of the Lord's Supper. And please see us at the Connection Center later and we will make arrangements and explain to you about water baptism. Amen. Let's pray for the Lord for the supper. Father, we give you thanks for tonight, Father. We thank you so much for being faithful and for bringing your word upon us tonight, God. We bless this, we bless this blood, Lord, this wine, and we bless this bread, Father. Bless it, Father God, as we partake of your holiness, Father, the price that you paid for us on that cross. The forgiveness of our sins is right here, Lord. And you said, do this in remembrance of me, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness in our lives. We bless you, Lord. We love you, Dad. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to, right where you're at, as you listen to this song, examine your hearts. So take me to that place, Lord, to that secret place where I can be with you. Ooh, I 